Hey guys, it's Pastor Erwin McManus. I wanna thank you for listening to the podcast and joining us from all over the world. To the launch of my new book, The Way of the Warrior, An Ancient Path to Inner Peace, we are going to be launching book clubs across the world. When you choose to host a book club, you get access to exclusive content, to discussion guides for every chapter, to video content for every chapter, and you get to join me on a live stream Q&A where we will be dealing with the material, The Way of the Warrior, An Ancient Path to Inner Peace. So host a book club, go to erwinmcmanus.com slash book club and sign up right now. But I want to welcome everyone in Hollywood to Mosaic this morning. Can we welcome everyone in Hollywood right now? I want to welcome everyone in South Pasadena. South Pasadena, how are you doing today? We want to go south into the dangerous territory of Orange County. Welcome everyone in Mosaic, Orange County. I want to go north and welcome everyone in Seattle, Mosaic, Seattle. Good, good to see you guys today. And just in case of our community, in Mexico is with us. Can we welcome everyone in Mexico City? <laughs> so good. And we've been journeying together through the way of the warrior and, and trying to step into this path to inner peace. We've been looking together code by code at the different characteristics of women and men who step into the battle for their inner world. And we always want to reset the narrative and remember that, that this is both a fight for every human and for all of humanity. That this is the war that must be fought and won. That the world will never have peace until we have inner peace. And there will always be conflicts and battles. There will always be hatred and violence. There will always be terrorism and war until we win the war within us. The world is at war because we are at war. And we have to fight for peace. And today we're going to look at code four. Now code four has some deeply personal aspects to it for myself. I, I think as you journey through this, you might find that there are places that hit you where you are right now and, and maybe some places that remind you of places you've been in the past and, and some places that don't, do not seem to relate to you right now, but they may become more relevant to you in the future. Because what I find about the uniqueness of us human beings is though each human being is so different, no two people are the same. You're as unique as your, your retinal scan or your fingerprints or your DNA. But there's something about us humans where even though we're unique and distinct in so many ways, there are things that connect us together. And our greatest longing is we would be connected together at the best of us. We would be connected in the places of love and hope and joy and community and meaning. But the reality is that so oftentimes we're connected together in, in our pain. So oftentimes the place we can actually relate to each other is in our disappointment, in our fears, in our doubts. The places where we can most identify with each other is when we feel overwhelmed by life or feel alone in the world or wonder if we belong anywhere. And, and the odd thing about the darkest places of the soul is that we become convinced that we're the only person in the world who's ever been there. When in fact it's the most crowded space in the universe. Code four tells us that the warrior takes or gains mastery over their mind. One of the strangest things that I had to learn as I've journeyed throughout my life is that, that there's so many challenges in life that you'll face, so many obstacles that will be in front of you, so many goals that you aspire to, but really the greatest battle of your life is the one that's inside of your head. And, and it, if this is a battle, and, you, and, and to win a battle, you have to be able to identify your enemy. The problem so oftentimes is you cannot know your enemy until you know yourself. And I hear so many people, and it frustrates me because it's so many people of faith that, that when they're going through something, they, they so oftentimes project it on, well, like the devil. And, and, 
And I've been having this conversation a lot because it's almost as if we're pretty sure we are the devil's personal project. But I, I think the real problem here, and just stay with me just for a moment because this might be a little bit hard to intake, is that we keep confusing the devil for the darkness in ourselves. And, and so what we're going to do over these next few minutes is we're going to take a dangerous look in the mirror and try to begin to see ourselves clearly because you cannot become who you long to be if you do not see who you are. Otherwise, why would you ever need to change? It is kind of odd, and I'm not going to be too detailed on this, but, but Kim and I do not need the same amount of time to get ready. <laughs> In fact, it's really unfair because she gets up much earlier than me. I mean, by hours, not by minutes. Kim sometimes is up by days ahead of me, and, <laughs> and she'll spend all this time getting ready and I'm not sure everything she's doing. I just know there's layers and layers of things that must be done. And then she'll say, are you going to get ready? And I go, yeah, soon. She goes, well, are you going to get up? I go, yeah, I'm going to get out of bed soon. And Because and, I know that I'm just going to jump in the shower, get dressed, and pretty much slip out. But there's a lot more involved when she's getting ready. And the end result is so much better than mine. But one of the things that just drives me crazy, I don't know why, is that she always pulls open the flap on the car, even after she's perfectly ready, as we're driving to the event to look in the mirror. <laughs> Women, do you do that? Yes. <laughs> all right, how many, of you, how many of you guys do that? If you do, don't even speak up, all right? <laughs> And she pulls it, and then she leaves it on. And I, I, I'll just lean over and flap it shut. She goes, I wasn't finished. I go, it, the light's on. Just turn it off. She goes, why does that bother you? I said, I don't know why it bothers me. But it does. It, 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 it makes the car asymmetrical. It, I, I, I need the car to be in harmony and balance with the universe. And I need you to close that flap. And the crazy thing, she's already beautiful. She doesn't need to do anything. <laughs> but she has to be able to see. And I think one of the great challenges for us is, do you realize you never actually get a clear look at yourself? You never see the you other people see. Because when you're looking in the mirror, you're seeing the opposite of you, the reversal of you. You're not seeing you. You have never really seen you. <laughs> and when you look at a photograph of you, that's just a flat-faced you. It's not a real you. I hope you know you are more than one-dimensional. So when you look at a photograph, it's not you. It's a manifestation of you. You will never in your lifetime actually see you. Because you see yourself from the internal lens of who you perceive yourself to be. And everyone else sees you through the lens of who they perceive you to be. And that's why so oftentimes someone will say something about you and you go, yeah, that's not true. Tell me again. <laughs> it's because when someone sees you and they go, oh, you look good today. You're like, no. This thing. Right. I just threw it on at the last minute. I didn't even have time to put my makeup on. Are you talking? Are you? And they go, but you're looking fine. And then you go, no, really? Really? You think so? <laughs> because we actually don't want to see ourselves. We just want to make sure everyone sees us better than we are. Or maybe better than that. We hope they see us as our best self. And all of this is a construct inside of your mind where your greatest battle is being fought. Because more importantly than how you see yourself from the exterior is 
how you see yourself from the universe within. Getting an inside look at you which no one else has. See, no one can see you from the inside except for you and God. And when you pay attention, that inner world is so chaotic, it's so tumultuous, it's, it's at best complex. Have you ever just gotten lost inside of your own head? One of the things I mentioned as I unwrapped the code that the warrior gains mastery over their mind is and when I was young, I think around 10 or 11 years old, I was reading Isaac Asinoff and Robert Heinlein and Andre Norton and Ray Bradbury, and I love science fiction. And I wish I could find it, but there was this one line in one particular book that said it was not that he could count the raindrops that drove him to madness, but that he could count the spaces in between the raindrops. When I read that around the age of 10 or 11, it was a moment, it was, like, it was an epiphany for me. Because that moment, I understood exactly what he was talking about. I, I never forgot that line because that line defined me. It helped me understand myself. I, I felt as if I was going insane because I, I felt like I could see the raindrops and the spaces in between the raindrops. And, and you can't explain what's going on inside of your head. Years later, I, I was at this neuro clinic and, and they, they do these EEGs and neuro assessments and, and this... Um, Doctor got, on, got on, on a conversation with us as he was explaining the, the data that was explaining our brains. And we, I was doing it with a friend of mine who asked me to go with him because he wanted to compare his brain to my brain. And, and so we went, he's very competitive. And so we went in there and, <laughs> and, and my brain looked like it was doing okay, but then there was like this massive drop in, in this graph. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what part of my brain is missing. And, and, and it, said, it said neurospeed. And my friend's neurospeed was really high, and my neurospeed was really low. And I like speed. I'm all into speed. So I thought, wow, I, I have really slow neurospeed. What is that? Does that mean that I'm just a little slower than everyone? And, and he said, the neurospeed is about the way that your brain processes data. I said, so I'm slower than everybody. He goes, no, no, it's like a, a camera. He said, people who have fast neurospeed, which is normal. He said, normal people, healthy people, you know, predictable brain patterns <laughs> have what's called fast neurospeed. And that's what gives you a sense of chronology because you're downloading data and it gives you a sense of time and chronology. And, and, and then he says, you have slow neurospeed. So it's like a camera that has a super slow shutter speed. It goes... <laughs> well, the other person's ready to go, and he goes, yours goes, and he goes, so what happens is you don't have any sense of chronology, which I don't, and I, I, I've always known that. It, to me, it's like right now, tomorrow, and yesterday. That's it. So when I say last week, it could have been five years ago. And... Uh, <laughs> Because I don't really have a sense of chronology. And, and then and he goes, when you're not gathering data, no data, no data is going in. It just closes. When it opens up, you get flooded with all this data all at one time. And that helped me understand because when I was younger, even when I was married to Kim in the first few years, there would be moments I would literally be sitting in a corner in a fetal position because I couldn't stop thousands of thoughts going through my brain at one time. I felt paralyzed, and I, and I just felt like I was being flooded and overdosed by data. And so I, I came to the conclusion by the time I was in my 30s that I had social anxiety disorder, which I did not. Although you do make me anxious. And, uh, <laughs> but I didn't have social anxiety disorder. What I had was I had an inability to stop massive amount of data from going into my brain all at one time. So I experience and see and absorb everyone's data. I can see the person moving there, the person doing there, the person opening up their phone over there, the person looking at the watch, the person just touched their forehead, and it's all coming at one time. And I don't have this natural filter that says, not important, not important, not important. It just says, it's all important. <laughs> so I felt like I was gonna lose my mind. And a part of what I had to learn how to do is learn how to take mastery over my mind where it was gonna kill me. And I've realized that everyone has this dilemma at some level. 
But we all have it when it comes to becoming the person God created us to be. I want you to hear these words in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The scripture tells, do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to teach or decide what God wants for you. And you will be able to know what is good and pleasing to God and what is perfect. Now, some of you who are familiar with this particular verse know that it's normally quoted as, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. But I just want you to hear it in this language, be changed within by a new way of thinking. See, I think a lot of us are trying to change. We actually want to change. I'm convinced there's some of you who have said to God, God, I don't want to be who I am. I want to be more than this. I want God to be a reflection of who you want me to be. God, I don't want my past to be my future, but just keep going back to it time and time and time again. Have you ever felt like you're trapped in you? I think one of the most claustrophobic feelings is when you know that the one thing you cannot escape is yourself because you're trapped inside of your own skin. And some of you keep changing your environment, hoping it will change you, but it doesn't. So you move from one place to another place. You move from one job to another job. You move from one relationship to another relationship. You may even move from one religion to another religion, one worldview to another, one philosophy to another, because you keep thinking if you can change something out there, it will finally change you in here. But what ends up happening is that you actually just conform to the patterns outside of you. You just keep changing the patterns you're conforming to. But he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. And by the way, there are patterns in this world. He said, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Be changed by a new way of thinking. So he's telling us, listen to me, this is actually possible. You can actually develop a new way of thinking. You can actually have a new mind. Now, how much money do we spend on getting a new body? How much energy have you spent on trying to make something new that's actually decaying and just getting older and older and older? And yet we, we leave our minds unattended. We leave them old while we're trying to look new. What if we spent the billions of dollars that are focused on cosmetic surgery to actually bring substantive change in who we are. The problem is that most of us want to look like we've changed rather than actually change. Because it's easier to look like you've changed. You know, you know what you do? If you don't want to lose weight, grow a beard. And then shave it down. Everybody goes, you, you've lost weight. Yes, I have. <laughs> you want to lose weight or at least look like you're losing weight, but actually don't lose weight? We're black. <laughs> I know everything you're supposed to do. You know why? Because actually doing it is harder than looking like you've done it. It's the same way with your mind. There's so many things you can do to try to make it look like you've changed. Sometimes it's called education. You can, you can have layers of sophistication and actually let your soul still be drowning in darkness. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Now, it's like, okay, what are the patterns that are self-evident? It's kind of ironic because the Ten Commandments actually point us to human patterns. Yeah, it's funny how when people go, I want to be free. I just want to be my own person. You ever had someone, I don't, want to, I don't want to believe in God or trust in God or follow God. Don't talk to me about Jesus or religion. I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to be my unique me. Isn't it amazing how many people, when they're the unique selves, become like everyone else? 
you, I, 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 I could do a test right now. All right, maybe I will. Okay. I need you for just a moment of honesty. How many have ever, like, lied? Look around. Okay, the person who has not raised their hand is still lying, even right now, okay? Okay, so just, just no, oh, okay. First time, huh? So if you want to be unique, be a person of truth. Because the pattern is lying. All right, let's just take this a little further. I don't know how far we can go, okay? How many have ever, right, and don't raise your hand until I help define it, okay? How many have ever stolen something? Don't raise your hand yet. Stolen, well, I've never stolen anything, okay, okay, okay. By definition, taking something that is not yours. Okay, like a towel from a hotel. Right. The, the pen that the waitress lent you for a moment, okay. Um, someone else's girlfriend. Okay. All right, all right, now raise your hand now if you've ever stolen something. Okay. All right, half the room, so the other ones go back to question number one. <laughs> you go ask your mom if you ever stole that cookie. You ever been right, late? You ever been late to a meeting? You stole that person's time. You didn't know we were going to go there today, did you? Right. Okay, I, I, I'm not going to ask you any other questions, all right? And, but what I want you to realize is that those are the patterns. You see, if you want to conform, when it says do not conform, see, here's the irony. A lot of people think that believing in God is a decision to be conformed. But actually... When you live your life outside of God, you conform to the pattern of humanity in their worst state of being. See, it takes a power to break being conformed. See, I want to be clear. I am a nonconformist. I hate conforming. And he says, but be transformed. Break out of the pattern. And some of you have patterns that you've been trying to break out of. And the only way you will break out of those patterns is by gaining mastery over your mind. So how do you do that? How do we get there? And by the way, there are some good outcomes here. He says, then you'll be able to decide what God wants for you. See, some of you are going, God, what do you want for my life? You ever, you ever said that? God, just tell me. How many times have you begged God to make you a puppet? where he just instructs your life so you don't have to decide. How many times have your prayers actually been, God, I do not like the responsibility of being a human. Could you turn me into a robot? Or you just download the command and I just do what you want. See, he doesn't want to control you. He wants to transform you. So that when you have this new way of thinking, you go, oh, I know what God wants. I can see it. I, I know what God wants because I see reality the way God sees reality. I, I, I see the world the way God sees the world. I see people the way God sees people. You see, if you want to act as if God is guiding you, you need to think as if God's informing you. And the only way you can do that is by letting him change your mind. And then you will know what is good and pleasing to God and what is perfect. Wouldn't that be amazing? Do you want to live your life where, where seeing what's good and pleasing was just as easy as could be? I just saw this genetic research. It said some people actually have the genetic code of what would be called like a super taster. They can actually taste things with their tongue that no one else can taste. And so they become the best chefs in the world. And you have friends that just eat trash. Are you one of them? And I go, if you're here, like, what, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? Okay. All right. I mean, I could name places, and that would help you understand that. But 
I have friends who don't care what you eat, where you order it from, like pizza. Like, it's just pizza. Anyone who says it's just pizza, they're not a super taster. Okay. Anyone who says they're just eggs, they're not a super taster. See, most of the food industry knows if they can add a lot of salt and a lot of grease, they've got us. But not a super taster. Super taster, they can actually taste the nuances. They can taste the, the spices. They can taste the herbs. They can taste the uniqueness of every meal. And they know when a meal is really well done. And, and what's crazy is that the rest of us will spend the, our entire lives thinking that they're just really picky. Because they can taste things we can't taste. And if there are people who can taste things we can't taste, doesn't it make sense there are people who can see things we can't see? There are people who can hear things we can't hear. In fact, some of you, anybody here tone deaf? Anybody here just, you cannot hear the difference in notes? You can't tell when someone's off key when they're on? Like, is that a thing? It's your thing. Okay. See, but there's some people that can hear every note. They can hear if you're on, if you're flat, you're sharp. They can, they can, they can just hear it. They have perfect pitch. And they have this unique capacity. Now, I can live. I can live without being a super taster. And I, I can live without perfect pitch. But you know what I don't want to live without? I don't want to be the kind of person that cannot see the beauty and wonder of life. I don't want to be the kind of person that can't see all the good that's all around me. I don't want to be the kind of person that can't actually experience being fully alive because those senses are dead. See, what happens when you have a new mind is you begin to see reality from the mind and the eyes of God. Now, just let that sink in for a minute. It's the God who created the entire universe, who spoke it all into existence, who decided that one color was not enough. The God who created marigolds and daffodils and sunflowers and, and the, the God who created aromas from chocolate to coffee. The God who knew that it should be fragrances like lavender and vanilla. This God who pays such meticulous detail to all the beauty and wonder of life. You can actually see life through his lens. There's a unique word in the scriptures that I don't know if we fully understand at times. It's this word um, metanoia, which means repentance, or translated repentance. And it's the Greek translation of two words in the Hebrew that deal with repentance. And one of the words that deals with repentance means to be sorrowful. Have you ever just felt bad for doing the wrong thing? But really, that's a minor use. The major use for the Hebrews was this word that means to return or to turn. And the reason it's really return is they assumed that you began face to face with God. And then somewhere along the way, you turned away from God. And then metanoia, repentance, is to turn back to God, to be face to face with him. See, you're not supposed to see life without seeing through the lens of God's presence in your life. And then this Greek word, metanoia, this word actually has this unique construct, meta. You ever use that word, meta? Like metaphysics, beyond physics. And noia comes from the word which means to think. And so ironically, metanoia isn't feel really bad about something. Repent, feel really bad about that. Repent, feel awful about who you are. Repent, feel the condemnation and judgment. Actually, repent means you need to go beyond thinking. You need to change your mind. So the word metanoia actually means to have a change of mind. So when you think outside of God, when you think without God, you begin to lose the perspective of transcendence, the eternal, the beautiful, the wondrous. That's one of the things that worship does. You see, when you worship is you're actually repenting. You are rethinking reality and now seeing reality through the lens of who God is and that's why when you worship and you begin to see the beauty of who God is and the beauty of all of his intention you walk out seeing life more beautifully 
So then we hear this insight in 2 Corinthians 10 from Paul. He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Here it is, the way of the warrior. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, by the way, this is fighting language. This, these are fighting words. He's saying that, that even though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And so here, here's the part of the problem. See, a lot of us, I think somehow we've been convinced that, that the church should be fighting the same battles that everyone's fighting the same way everyone's fighting them. He's saying, no, there, there are wars out there, but that's not the way we fight wars. Because we understand there's a more profound war being fought that we must win. Since the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. In other words, all the weapons that humanity can ever create cannot demolish strongholds. Because the, the strongholds he's talking about are inside of the soul of the human. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And then he says this. He says something that seems virtually impossible. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I'm like, no. What do you think about it? How can I even be here in this moment and be functional? Dot, 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 dot. How about you? How many thoughts are going through your brain right now? Like, why am I here? <laughs> I, I could be watching Netflix. Wait, 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 I wonder if she's into me. Huh? Well, I, 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 wonder, I, wonder, I wonder if the Lakers will ever win again. I mean, all those things. All those things are going through your brain at the same time. Have you ever noticed you could actually be thinking about conflicting things at the same time? So how do you take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ when you can't even grab all the thoughts in your brain right now? That would drive you to insanity. So you have to set up a trap. You have to use bait. Because the only way you're ever going to take captive all these thoughts is instead of chasing all those thoughts, you have to get all the thoughts that come chasing you. And the only way you can actually take captive every thought is to take control over your mindset. And when you begin to take control, when you begin to take, gain mastery over your mindset, over the way you see reality, all thoughts start filtering through properly. You ever heard of SSP, Selective Sensory Perception? Selective Sensory Perception is that part of the way we're designed where our brain filters out irrelevant information and filters in relevant information. It's the only way you can exist. You ever try to walk through the streets of New York or any busy city? Like taxis everywhere, horns beeping everywhere, lights going off everywhere, humans everywhere, and you're trying to cross the street? See, if you did not have selective sensory perception, you, you would just die. It would be like that. And so your brain goes, not important, important. Have you ever been hit by something you did not see coming? Have you ever been hit by a ball? Why do they say heads up? That doesn't make any sense at all, right? They should say heads down, right? But they don't. I I've been hit by a ball. Have you ever been hit by a ball? I bet you the ball that hit you came from the same place the ball that hit me. It came out of nowhere. Right? I mean, if it came out of somewhere, why didn't you move? But, but it didn't. It just, bam! Where'd that come from? Out of nowhere, man. It's like, it's a way, it's crazy. You ever been hit by a car? No? That's what Uber's doing. It's stealing from you some of life's precious memories. Look. I, I've, I've been hit by a car when I was in a car. 
I've been hit by a car when I was running across the street. And one time, I was running across the street and I hit a parked car because I didn't see it. And uh, <laughs> while I was running, it, it, it was just, it, it was, it was a station wagon, but I don't know how I didn't see it. And uh, so I, I've been hit by a car at least three different ways. And each time the car came out of nowhere. Because what happened was my selective sensory perception filtered out something that was really important. It made a mistake. It should have said, left, duck, stop. But it didn't, it didn't see it, it filtered it out. See, you have a, an emotional, psychological SSP, selective sensory perception, it's telling you this isn't important, this isn't important, this isn't important. And the problem is that you train it. And so if you're here and you're really cynical, you've trained your brain to filter out every possibility for hope. If you're here and you're negative, you've trained your brain to remove every proof that would make you optimistic. If you're here and you don't believe anyone will ever love you, you've trained your brain to remove any information that will let you know people actually care about you and love you. And there's some of you, you're going to live your life saying, there's no one that can be trusted. No one loves me. There's no place I belong. You're going to spend your whole life going, and everyone will betray you. You'll spend your whole life saying there's nothing good in life. There's no beauty. There's no wonder. And you may even go as far as say there's no God. And I want you to know, you'll think it's because you've come to this conclusion by studying the facts, but you've actually filtered out all the data that would disprove your position. So how do you create the filter that takes every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ? Well, Paul gives us a little more insight in Philippians 4. I just wanted to give you two more verses. Verses 7 and 8, he says, And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. He says, so, so God's peace is available to us. This is what we're searching for, right? This is the path we're, we're on. This ancient path to inner peace. He's saying, and God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding. Why? Because if you only have your own understanding, you will lose the peace you're created to have. Because sometimes life just doesn't make sense from our posture, our perspective, and where we are in life. And God says, I need you to step into my understanding because you'll never lose your peace if you see things from my perspective. Wow. And I will keep your hearts and minds safe. Some of you, your minds are not safe. Your minds have been broken by despair. Your minds are being tortured by depression. Your minds are overwhelmed by anxiety and fear. And you know you're not safe. And your heart is afraid and tormented and tortured because all you see is the evidence that your life is not worth living. All you see is the evidence that tomorrow will not be better than today. All you see is the evidence that there's gonna be more pain, more suffering, more struggle, more disappointment, more failure because you have locked your mind and it is incapable at this moment to see all the opportunity, all the possibilities, all the wonder, all the beauty, all the future that God has for you. And if you'll just allow God to change your mind, you will be filled with hope. Some of you, it's just a small valve that needs to be turned and hope will come flooding into your soul. He says, in conclusion, my brothers and sisters, fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise. Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Saying, fill your mind with the very things that will allow your soul to receive what God created you to experience. The warrior gains mastery over their minds because they understand that the most critical battle that they will ever fight is the battle for their mind. You have thoughts and thoughts and thoughts warring against themselves. 
And some of you inside of you right now, there are voices that tell you your life doesn't matter. There is no future. Why don't you just give up? No one will ever love you. Your life will not change. You're going to be the same person tomorrow you were yesterday. And you've allowed those voices into your soul. But what God says is that he will demolish those thoughts and set you free. And I can tell you from my own life experience that I went from being the guy in a fetal position in a corner because I felt like I couldn't control all the thoughts inside of me. You know what I discovered? One negative thought is one too many. But I never, I've never felt paralyzed by positive thoughts. I have never felt paralyzed because I was thinking too much about love. I, I've, I've never been paralyzed because I was dreaming of too many beautiful futures. You only get paralyzed when you begin imagining the worst case scenarios. You only get paralyzed when you allow the negative thoughts to dominate your soul. Some of you, you've trained your brain to see what's wrong with everyone and everything. And now your brain is in charge. And you are its slave. And it holds you captive. Because let me tell you the secret of how your brain will turn the table on you. At first, you just think you're just being critical. You're just telling the truth. You're just making honest observations about other people, about the world, about life. And you begin to see everything in a negative filter. And then suddenly one day, it turns on you and says, that's who you are. You're the person who cannot be loved. You're the person who never gets it right. You're the person who's always a failure. You're the person that cannot be trusted. Be careful the prison you try to create for others. Because the only person that will ever live in that prison is you. And so Jesus says, no, I want you to break free from this. I'm going to give you a new mind. I'm going to transform the way you think about yourself, about God, about people, about the world. And I'm going to teach you how to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So if that thought doesn't reflect Jesus' thought about who you are, you kill that thought because it does not belong inside of you. So fill your minds with that which is good and deserves praise. Fill your mind with things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and honorable. So before we bring all this together, I just want to take one last moment and fill your mind with the possibility of you. See, I, I want you just for a moment to take a risk and open up the floodgates of your soul and allow this perspective of you to seep into you. That you're created by God as his object of love. That you matter, that you have significance. That no matter what you've ever done or what you will ever do, you will never have a diminished value to God. That there's no one on this planet like you. There has never been anyone like you. There will never be anyone like you. That your life is not an accident. That you're created with significance, with value, and that God designed you with intention and purpose, and that you're supposed to do something in this world that actually matters. And any voice that gets inside of your head that tells you anything else is a lie. And that voice needs to be silenced, if not destroyed. And you need to gain mastery of your thoughts. But it begins by changing the way you think about others. And when you begin to change how you think about others, it will change the way you think about yourself. So see others through the eyes of Jesus. And watch how you begin to see yourself with new eyes. I, I'm just going to tell you. It's a strange thing. We've been married, Kim and I, for 35 years. 
I'm just going to let you in just a little intimate secret. Think about it. Now, it's crazy. Like, there's just times we're just like, just almost face to face. Where our noses are not touching, but they're almost touching. And she opens her eyes and she looks at me. And I melt. And I melt for two reasons. One, I think to myself, oh my gosh. Those are the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. I remember when I first saw them. I wanted the whole person connected to those eyes. <laughs> but I think what makes me melt is when she looks at me, I feel like she sees me in a way that I do not even see myself. It's that moment where someone looks at you and you go, wow, I must be something for you to look at me like that. I want you just for a moment to have an awkward experience with God where you just let him look at you up close and personal. Let him look you in the eyes. And I want you to feel his affection for you, his adoration for you, his love for you. And I want you to begin to see yourself through those eyes for the rest of your life. Because if you'll see yourself through his eyes, you'll never have another day where your mind is not being flooded with images of love and beauty and wonder and hope. And every day you'll wake up going, I can't wait because I know today, today is full of life. And I'm going to live it fully. Would you just bow your heads to me just for a moment and just close your eyes? What's going on inside of your head? What's the battle inside of your mind? What are the voices that are pulling at you and haunting you? Maybe even condemning you. Are you ready to have a new mind, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing yourself, of seeing life, of seeing the world, of seeing God? Imagine if you could sit on the edge of the universe and absorb for just one moment the majesty of all of creation. Imagine if you could see every day from that vantage point. There's some of you here right now. It's time for you to stop trying to fight the inner battle alone. It's time to give your life to Jesus and trust him with your life. It's time to cross the line of faith and let Jesus give you a new mind and a new heart and a new you and a new future, and a new hope. And if you're here and you're ready, you're ready to give Jesus your life and receive his life in you, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer right now. Just one sentence. It's not everything you and God need to talk about, but it's where it needs to begin. So right now, just, just pray this prayer to Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Right now, just tell him, Jesus. I give you my life. Just whisper to him. Jesus, I give you my life. If you're here and you just prayed that prayer, if you're here and you just crossed that line of faith, if you're here and you just said, Jesus, I give you my life, I want you to know that he heard that prayer and he's giving you a new you, a new heart, a new mind, a new future. And so if you just whispered this prayer, Jesus, I give you my life, I want to pray for you right now. But I want you right now in this moment to declare the new. I want you right now to say, yes, I just pray, Jesus, I give you my life. I just crossed the line of faith. I just want you to hold your hand up real high right now. If that's you, beautiful, wonderful. Anyone else? Beautiful. Anyone else? Wow. 
Jesus, I give you my life. Anyone else right now? So good. All over the room. Jesus, I give you my life. Anyone else? In South Pasadena, in Orange County, in Seattle, in Venice, wherever you are right now. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, I thank you that you're the God who meets us where we are. And I, I pray for those who in this moment have just opened up their lives to you and have just crossed that line of faith. And, and God, even as they whispered these words, Jesus, I give you my life, I pray that you would just wrap them up in your love and let them know they belong to you, that you will never leave them or abandon them. I pray, God, you would just begin to create that new mind, that they would begin to see beauty and wonder. They would be filled with hope. God, that they would strangely become optimistic, that they would know that tomorrow is going to be better than today, that they would know they're going to grow and change, that their past is not the future. God, I pray that you would just fill them with an un overwhelming sense of being loved, of, of having a life that matters. God, I, I just pray that you would just wash away all the guilt and shame and fill them, God, with a deep sense of value and acceptance. We thank you, Jesus, so much, and we pray in your name. Amen. Can we thank God for all those who just responded to him right now? So good. So good. Never neglect the inner world. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to where your thoughts wander, where your imagination goes, because you will create out of what you imagine. So take time to begin dreaming with God about your life, about the future, about the world you're going to help create. And watch what God will do as you begin to give him your thoughts. Focus your heart and your mind on Jesus and his relationship to you. And then listen to the story that's being told inside of your soul. I'm telling you, Something good is about to happen. And if you didn't know this, tomorrow is going to be better than today. And you, you don't even, you're not even going to recognize who you're going to become. Because who you are now is just a shadow of who God is going to make you in the days ahead. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.